0: There you can listen to or download educational programs related to all aspects of our divine faith, and you can review our schedule of upcoming events. We hope you can join us in person. Please
1: join me in welcoming Father Francis Peffley. Okay, Okay. thank you so much, Deacon. It is certainly a privilege to be here. All of you are doing tremendous work at ICC, so tonight's topic is on peace. What is authentic peace? And it's really three parts to the talk. First, I want to talk about what the Lord himself said about peace and what St. Paul said about peace. And second, I want to go into some of the early saints and early fathers of the church and uh, what they said about peace and then end with giving you five suggestions on how to develop more peace in your own life. So let's begin first with what does Scripture say about peace? What did the Lord say? Of course, there's many, many passages in the New Testament that the Lord gives us about peace. Jesus said in John chapter 14, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. And always remember that, that the peace that Christ gives is different than the peace that the world can offer. Jesus says in John chapter 16, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. So the Lord wants us, of course, to have peace. Mark chapter nine, he says, be at peace with one another. And in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And of course, also in scripture, remember, right after the birth of Christ, the Prince of Peace, The angels appeared to the shepherds and said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Sometimes it's translated, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men of goodwill. So this is something that we see uh, time and again in sacred scripture. Some other times in scripture, the Lord talks about peace. He says, in Matthew chapter 10. And when you come into a house, salute it saying, peace to this house. And if that house be worthy, your peace shall come upon it. But if not worthy, your peace shall return to you. And then we have in the beginning of the Lord's, right right before the Lord was born, we have Zechariah, in the temple. And Zechariah, the beautiful prayer, the canticle, he says, to enlighten those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, and to direct our feet into the way of peace. So Zechariah predicts that the Messiah will direct us into the way of peace. And then look at some of the passages from St. Paul. Ephesians, be careful to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The letter to the Hebrews, it says, follow peace with all men and that holiness without which no one will see God. We also have a beautiful passage from Paul. And through him, this is Colossians, and through him to reconcile all things unto himself, making peace through the blood of his cross, both as to the things that are on earth and the things that are in heaven. And then a beautiful expression that Jesus made peace through the blood of his cross. And again, so many other passages from Paul just give you just a few more. Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is charity, joy, peace, patience, goodness, etc. Where he gives us the fruits of the Holy Spirit and peace is one of those. And then when Paul would write in Romans, he would give the greeting of peace. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, there are uh, many beautiful passages which talk about peace in Scripture, and but then we have uh, two passages from the Lord that make it a little bit uh, a little different to understand. He says in Luke chapter twelve, "Do you think I have come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division." And then in Matthew chapter 10, do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. So how do we understand those passages and compare it to when the Lord says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Or when he says, for example, These things I've spoken to you that you may have peace. So, how do we uh, talk about those two different aspects? And I think the, the best way to understand it is that the Lord's followers are called to be at peace. Yes, we are called to have the peace of Christ. We're called to have peace of mind, peace of heart, peace of soul. But when the Lord speaks about the world or the earth, he says, I've not come to bring peace. He says, Notice, do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? See, when the Lord is speaking to us as individuals, he's saying, I will give you peace, my followers. But when the Lord is speaking to the, about the earth or about the world, he's saying, when I come, there will not be peace because there will be opposition, there will be persecution. As they treated me, Jesus says, so they will treat you. So we have to expect the sword or division, and we see this, In fact, right after the Lord says, I've not come to bring peace but the sword, division, he talks about in family, sometimes a father will be set against his son or a mother against a daughter or a mother-in-law against a daughter-in-law. The Lord says there will will be that, uh, challenges, difficulties, and uh, there will be divisions because of those who follow Christ versus those who do not follow Christ. So I think when we look at this particular topic, we see that, yes, Jesus will give us his peace, but we also have to expect that in the world, sometimes in families, there will be uh, divisions, there will be challenges, there will be difficulties. And let's take a look at, at how the saints dealt with these things. And notice that these saints and early fathers and doctors of the church they were at peace in the midst of the challenges and the sword and the difficulties. They had authentic peace, even in the face of persecution and torture. Take a look at some examples. Saint Stephen the Martyr in the Acts of the Apostles. Remember, he was the first deacon. He was being stoned to death, but notice he was completely at peace. He looked up, he could see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, And he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Do not hold this sin against them. Father, forgive them. So even in the midst of of the sword, even in the midst of the persecutions that St. Stephen endured, he was totally at peace in giving his soul to God. Think of the Christians under Nero. As you know, Nero was so cruel. He would take the Christians, he would pour tar over them, pitch, and then light them on fire as human torches. And these these Christians offered their lives to Christ. And they too were filled with joy and peace, willing to die for Christ. Then Ignatius of Antioch, one of the great saints and bishops of the early church, he was taken in chains to Rome. And as he was traveling, he wrote letters and He said things such as, I long to be with him, long to be with Christ. Nothing is more precious than peace by which all war, both in heaven and on earth, is brought to an end. He says, fire, cross, struggles with wild beasts, the wrenching of bones, the mangling of limbs, let them come to me, provided only I make my way to Jesus Christ, that I may be that I may give my life for Christ. And he even told the Christians in Rome, don't try to stop them. Let me go to my, meet my Lord. Let me go to my martyrdom. And of course, he was being thrown to the wild lions. They, they would devour him. And he wrote, I am God's wheat, and I shall be ground by the teeth of the wild beasts that I may become the pure bread of Christ. So in the midst of this, suffering in the midst of this uh, martyrdom, he was at peace with Christ. So notice you have the individual Christian can be at peace in the midst of trials, tribulations, the sword and the cross. Again, the Lord does not promise to give us, you know, peace in this world because he says, I've not come for that, but he will give us his followers that inner peace that the world cannot give. St. Polycarp, the 86-year-old bishop of Asia Minor, taken to a stadium, told to deny his faith, to offer incense to the gods, he said, I will not do that. He says, for 80 plus six years I have served him, namely Christ, and he has never done me any injury. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Then look at St. Lawrence, the great St. Lawrence, another deacon of the church. Remember the story when the prefect said, I want you to bring me all the treasures of the church. And he was hoping to get all of the gold chalices and the ciborium. And uh, St. Lawrence rounded up all the the crippled, the blind, the lame, the deaf. And he brought all the the sick to the prefect's door and opened it up and said, "These these are the treasures of the church. Well, the prefect was so upset that he ordered Lawrence roasted alive on a gridiron. You know the story. And we have it historically, that he said, halfway through it, to the soldiers, "You can turn me over. I'm done on one side." <laughs> Amazing. See, look at that peace, even the sense of humor in the midst of the sword, in the midst of torture and persecution. See, that is the kind of peace that only Christ can give. The world cannot offer that kind of peace. only Christ. Can offer that. And again, Jesus says, As they treated me, so they will treat you. Look at St. Apollinarius, second century martyr in Ravenna, beaten, made to walk on burning coals, had scalding water poured on him, thrown into a dungeon and starved to death. And he says, This above all is peace, to be united with God. This above all is peace to be united with God. So when we look at, for example, St. Apollinarius, we see that his definition of peace is union with God, to live as a friend of God, to live in accord with God, to live in his grace and friendship. St. Seraphim says, Acquire the spirit of peace and a thousand souls will be saved. Acquire the spirit of peace and a thousand souls will be saved. And then one of the great quotes, St. John Chrysostom, he says, What sort of peace is it that Jesus brings? This is peace. When the disease is removed, this is peace. When the cancer is cut away with the sword. Only with radical surgery is it possible for heaven to be reunited to earth, to be united to earth. So St. John Chrysostom makes an interesting point. He says, what will destroy our peace? He says, it is the disease of sin. It is the cancer of sin. So when people are in sin, they lose their peace of mind, they lose their peace of soul. So we have to invite Jesus, the divine physician, to come in and to cut out that sin in our life, to cut out that spiritual cancer, to be that good divine physician, to cut away sin, and then we'll be at peace. So those who are living in mortal sin are not at peace. And there is no authentic peace where there is sin. And to the extent that there is sin, there is a lack of peace. And, you know, when we think of the the Lord, he is the divine physician. We invite him in when we go to confession to eliminate, to cut out that sin from our life so that we can be at peace. And we also, another good analogy, remember when Jesus drove out the money changers from the temple? He came in the temple and he got rid of the money changers. Well, when we go to confession, we ask Jesus to come into our soul and to drive out the little money changers in our soul. Remember, our bodies are the temple of God. And we give Jesus full permission and freedom to come in and to cleanse the temple. Again, that's what we do in confession is to cleanse the temple. We invite Jesus to get rid of those little money changers in our temple. And here's a great quote from St. Augustine about peace. His definition, peace is serenity of mind, tranquility of soul, simplicity of heart, a bond of love, a union of charity. No one can inherit God if he does not keep his testament of peace or live in union with Christ. So again, what a powerful passage from Augustine The peace is, serenity of mind, tranquility of soul, simplicity of heart, the bond of love, the union of charity. And no one can inherit God if he does not remain in peace, in unity with Christ. You know, one of, uh, a priest that I got to know a number of years ago, Father Aidan McGrath, a great Legion of Mary uh, missionary to China. He was arrested in about 1950 and thrown into solitary confinement by the communists from about 1950 to 1953, almost three years in solitary confinement. His cell was about three feet wide and about five feet long. And he only got a little cup of rice in the morning and a cup of rice at night. And they would keep him up all night asking him questions and interrogating him, torturing him in different ways. He said in his entire life, He was never more at peace than when he was in the communist prison cell. He said he was not comfortable. He was never in more pain because of the cold and the terrible food and the smell and the other um, people going insane all around him in the other prison cells. But he says he was never more at peace in his whole life. What a great example that is. See, he had made the De Montfort consecration, the true devotion to Mary where he had consecrated himself to Jesus through Mary, and he said everything belonged to Jesus through the Blessed Mother. And when he made the consecration, he promised the Lord and the Blessed Mother that he would never be uneasy about anything, and that whatever happened to him, he would accept. And so even in the midst of torture by the communist prison guards, he says he was never more at peace in his entire life. See, that is the peace of Christ that the world cannot give, and that's what the Lord talks about, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. So those are examples from some of the lives of the saints and I even think of more recent saints, Maria Goretti giving her life, you know, to preserve her chastity, her purity on her as she was dying, she forgave the young man who stabbed her, you know, a, a dozen times or 18 times. See that is the peace of Christ, the power that the Lord can give a person, or Maximilian Kolbe in the in Auschwitz to be able to give his life for a man he did not even know, and to be totally at peace with that, to be able to go into the starvation bunker. And for two weeks, as he was starving to death, he led the, the hymns and the psalms and the prayers and the rosary, where in the other starvation bunkers, people were fighting and blaspheming God and but in his, there was peace. And he was able to help these men die with great love of God and great peace of mind and peace of heart. Well, lastly, now that we've looked at some of the quotes from the the Lord and St. Paul and some of the quotations from the fathers of the church, I just want to uh, end with the five suggestions on how to grow in peace. And I'll make this very easy because the word peace has five letters, P-E-A-C-E. And so let me give you one idea for each of the letters in that word peace. And we, of course, in this world today, we desperately need peace. We need peace within our hearts, peace within marriages, peace within families. And it is uh, desperate in today's society. And I found a, a really good quote from Thomas Merton And he says, we are not at peace with others because we are not at peace with ourselves. And we're not at peace with ourselves because we are not at peace with God. Isn't that a brilliant statement? Let me repeat that. We're not at peace with ourselves with with others because we're not at peace with ourselves and we're not at peace with ourselves because we're not at peace with God. Remember, peace is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, if we have that relationship with the Lord, living in God's grace, living in union with Christ, we will have the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and one of them, of course, is peace. Now, the first letter in peace is P, and that stands for prayer. And these are five ways to develop peace within your own spiritual life. Prayer. Prayer is the key. You know, St. Alphonsus Liguori says, Those who pray will be saved. Those who do not pray will be lost. It's as simple as that. If you pray, you'll get to heaven. If you don't, you won't get the grace to to get there. So what is prayer? It's conversation with God. It's talking to God. It's listening to God. And prayer leads us to union with God. as you know, there are different kinds of prayer. There's vocal prayers, such as an Our Father, a Hail Mary, or Grace Before Meals. Then there is mental prayer and meditation and reading of scripture and reading of good spiritual reading Then talking to the Lord about that in your own words and having mental prayer. Then there's con- contemplative prayer where we just, you know, even without words, we love Christ and he loves us. Looking at Christ in a gaze of love is contemplation. Now the most beautiful prayer that our Blessed Mother certainly wants us to pray, which can give us that peace is the Holy Rosary. Remember at Fatima, she said, pray the rosary every day for peace. Remember, I mean, this was at the time of World War I. And as soon as Mary said that to the children and they told people and the word spread to pray the rosary, that did bring about ultimately the end of the war. So pray the rosary every day for peace and not only peace in the world, but peace within families, peace in our hearts. So prayer is so vital, so important. I remember that cute little story about prayer. The two grandsons were staying with grandmother one night and it was right before Christmas and the one boy said, I'm gonna say my prayers. And he started to shout his prayers really loud. Dear God, for Christmas, I want a new bicycle, I want video games, I want this and that. And his brother says, quiet, why are you talking so loud? God's not deaf. He says, I know God's not deaf, but grandma is. So remember, in prayer, you don't have to speak loud, right? You can, you can pray with that still, s- small voice, and the Lord will hear us. The next letter in peace is E, and that stands for the Eucharist. The Eucharist is Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace. And so if you ever want peace, spend time in Eucharistic adoration. Go to an adoration chapel. Now make a holy hour. It usually takes about 20 minutes for the peace to sink in, okay? And even when when you pray the rosary, it's usually about the fourth decade that you get peace, just from my personal experience. About the fourth decade or about 20 minutes into your holy hour. So spend time before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. Spend time in Eucharistic adoration. And as you spend time, you're in the presence of the Son of God, and your soul becomes very beautiful, very pleasing to God, as you spend time before his presence, just like going to the beach and basking in the rays of the sun. So at our Eucharistic Adoration chapels, you bask in the rays of, the, of Jesus, our Lord and our God. Of course, with the Eucharist, we know that the Mass is really the great prayer for peace. If you ever walk through the Eucharistic liturgy, the Mass, you'll notice so many prayers for peace one of the opening um, greetings can be, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Or when the bishop says Mass, he says, peace be with you. So that's one of the greetings at Mass. And then at Mass, at the Eucharist, we also hear, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. So we hear that in the Gloria. But then after the consecration, Then we have many beautiful prayers at the Mass for peace. After the Our Father, it says, Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress. You ever notice that connection between having peace and getting rid of sin, okay, and getting rid of distress? As we await the blessed hope, and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the priest says, Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will. Obviously, since these prayers are in the sacred liturgy, and as the church prays so she believes, the church has a a great... um, message for us that the church wants us to be at peace that's why there are so many prayers for peace in the sacred liturgy in the holy mass and then the priest says the peace of the lord be with you always so we want to extend the peace let let us offer each other the sign of peace and so we want to then reconcile ourselves with each other and offer each other the sign of peace and there is always a a connection between peace and reconciliation. See, uh, when we look at confession, we see that reconciles us to God and we become become at peace with God. So we want to, when we offer the sign of peace, to reconcile ourselves with one another. Husbands and wives, when they give each other the sign of peace, they're saying, I forgive you. Or brothers and sisters, you know, I forgive you should be you're not said out loud, but in one's heart, you're offering each other the sign of peace. And at the end of Mass, well, we also say, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, grant us peace. And then the final dismissal, go in peace. And there's many dismissals that can be done. You know, sometimes when I do weddings, I'm careful not to do what a priest friend of mine did. He accidentally said, this marriage is ended, let us go in peace. <laughs> So you have to be a little bit careful. But notice how many times at the end of Mass we say, the Mass is ended, go in peace. So peace is at the beginning of Mass with the greeting and the Gloria, after the Our Father, when we share the sign of peace. So obviously it's very important to the church that, that we as Catholic Christians are at peace. The next letter is A, and that stands for acceptance. To accept the will of God. Dante once wrote, in his will is our peace. See, that's how you get peaceful, is to accept the will of God, acceptance. And the two books I'd recommend would be Trustful Surrender by St. Claude de la Colombiere. Trustful Surrender, that beautiful little book about accepting the will of God in your life. And then de Kosad's book called Abandonment to Divine Providence. De Abandonment to Divine Providence. In fact, a a book that just came out a couple years ago, Father Larry Richards, his, his book is called Surrender. See, Surrender, the idea of accepting God's will in your life. So be like our Blessed Mother who said, let it be done unto me according to thy word. And remember in the Our Father we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. See, accepting the will of God in our life. Thy will be done. So many of us are always praying that God will change his will to match ours. Or we always say, well, our will be done. You know, God, do my will. But we don't want to pray that way. We want to have acceptance and say, thy will be done. And in fact, Maximilian Kolbe once was teaching a class and he wrote up a little W equals big W. He says, that is holiness. When your will equals the will of God. The last two letters are C and E, and the C stands for confession, the sacrament of penance, confession. As we talked about, what destroys our peace? It is sin. You know, what destroys peace in the world? You know, terrorism, war, crime, all these things. And so confession is where we become reconciled with God, and therefore we become at peace with God. Notice the the one quote I didn't use yet that the Lord said in the Gospels was the night of the resurrection, when he appeared to the disciples and he says, he appears to them and says, peace be with you. and Shalom, peace be with you. And again, that meant that he forgave them their sins. Peace be with you. And because they were all locked in the upper room, they had all abandoned the Lord. They ran away in the Garden of Gethsemane. They were not at the foot of the cross except for John. You know, Peter denied him and they all ran away. So the first thing the Lord had to do when he appeared to them was to forgive them and to reconcile them with himself. And that's why he said, Peace be with you. So that's what confession does for us. It reconciles us to God. And notice the words—the words of absolution that the priest says: "May God give you pardon and peace." See, it's right there in the sacrament of reconciliation: "May God grant you pardon and peace." So, sin destroys our peace because sin is being at war with God. Whether it be big sins, mortal sins, or venial sins, like small battles with God versus a big war with God. Now. Confession absolves that and we get reconciled with God and we will then grow in peace. You know, one of my favorite stories about confession, this fellow had not been to confession in forty years. And when he was a kid, he always went into the confessional, it was always dark. He always knelt down and there was a slide. You know, the priest would slide open the, the little panel. And but this time when he went into confession, you know, forty years after the fact, it was bright. It was carpeted. And he couldn't believe there was a nice, comfortable chair to sit in. And he couldn't believe his eyes. He, he noticed that there were fine Godiva chocolates all around. And there were little bottles of liqueurs. And there were Cuban cigars. And he says, well, confession has become so much more inviting. And then the priest walked in and says, get out of here. You're on my side. Okay. And lastly, the last uh, point is E. The last letter is E in peace. Remember, you have prayer, the Eucharist, acceptance, confession. And the E stands for extend. Extend peace to others. As we sow, so shall we reap. If you want to have peace, give peace. Be peaceful. If you want love, give love. And if you want hope, give hope. If you want peace then share peace. And another word, of course, is evangelize, which means the same thing, to share, to share. And another good E word is enthronement of the sacred heart. Don't forget that, the enthronement, because Jesus says that every place that has an image of his sacred heart, he says, I will bless that place and I will give peace to their families. So we can say that the last E is for extend, evangelize, and enthrone. Enthrone the sacred heart in your home and you will have peace in your family if you honor Christ as King and Lord of your home. And then, so to extend peace, to share it. And we, we should always ask ourselves, are we like the Dead Sea or are we like the Sea of Galilee? Uh, Deacon mentioned about going to the Holy Land. Well, if you go to the Holy Land, you'll notice that the Dead Sea is dead. It's like 33% salt. Because the Jordan River runs into it, but it keeps it to itself. It does not have an outlet. It doesn't share. It doesn't extend. And so because of that, it stagnates and it dies. That's the same with our faith. If we keep it to ourself, we die. We have to share our faith, extend our faith. It's like Father Faber once said, if you don't try to convert the world, the world will convert you. So you have to share and extend. Or are we the Sea of Galilee? Galilee. The Sea of Galilee receives the Jordan River, and then it gives it forth. So it's teeming with life, teeming with fish. So we're all called to be the Sea of Galilee rather than the Dead Sea. So what's the best way to have peace is to extend peace and share it with others. Look at the prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope, and where there is darkness, light. Have you ever noticed that all the translations leave out something else that St. Francis wrote? Where there is heresy, truth. But I guess that's not politically correct. So it never made it onto the holy cards. Sometimes you might find it, well, there is error, truth. Sometimes they'll put that on. But what he said, where there is heresy, let me sow truth. And that's why this is such a, a beautiful gathering at ICC, is to be able to share the truth of our Catholic faith. So again, if you want peace, share it with others and extend it, and then you'll have that within your own hearts. God bless you all. Thanks for a great talk, Father. The uh, uh, recent encyclical, there were several recent encyclicals from popes touching on uh, uh, peace. Uh, "What fathers of the church do they seem to quote most or?, would, uh... well, it's an excellent question. Yeah, there have been some really beautiful letters written, for example, Deves in Misericordia, Rich in Mercy, John Paul II, Pope Benedict has written some beautiful things as well. Um, I think they do quote uh, Saint Augustine, probably St John Chrysostom, those are the ones that I was able to find some good quotations of. Um, there's also, um, there may be St. Jerome and a few of the other church fathers, but uh, I, I would have to look up those different encyclicals to find out which ones were quoted, but um, that's a, it's, a, it's a very good question. You know, we've, we've also had a talk at the Institute on St. Polycarp, which you, which you mentioned his story, and um, I, I believe the CD is back there. Is it, Monica? It is. Um, is a great example of peace in the midst of, of persecution. And we think, oh, there's all this persecution going on in the world today. Well, it's nothing's new. The difference is we have television, so we know about it. Um, but, uh, but we have a whole history of persecution of Christians and how they faced it. His story is quite amazing. So we do have the CD back there if you want to take a look at it. Um, yes, Father. You mentioned it uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, um, Blessed Are the Peacemakers. Do you have any um, a, a primary story that where you can make the connection between the peacemaker and the sword? And there's many veterans in here and police officers, et cetera. So encouragement for uh, the peacemakers who are out there. Yeah, the, you know, the Lord said in, right there in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God. You know, they'll be sons of God, daughters of God, if you help to make peace. Um, I w- again, the prayer of St. Francis is so beautiful. You know, pray that every day. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. So for example, if you're a firefighter or if you're a police officer, I would recommend reading the prayer of St. Francis every day, trying to, to live that prayer. Um, as far as other examples, uh, I can't think of any other, let's say, examples of you know, peacemakers right now. Um, but you know, John Paul II certainly was. You know, when he was assa- the assassination attempt, afterwards he didn't go to the prison where the assassin was, and he sat with him. He talked with him. He forgave him. And again, the, when you can remember that peace is reconciliation, reconciliation. And later on, obviously, you probably heard that that man did convert to Christianity and Catholicism uh, through the example, I think, of the mercy of John Paul. So that might be one example that just comes to mind of uh, John Paul in that case was certainly a peacemaker and he reconciled and brought about a conversion. Muslims enjoy telling us, the infidel, that uh, Islam is a religion of peace. How would you contrast the Christian and Islamic understandings of peace? Well, the Christian and Islamic understandings of peace, there is a fundamental difference, of course, in how we view God. Uh, Scott Hahn has a great CD about that. I think it's called Abba or Allah. See, for us, God is Abba, Father. For them, God is Allah. And that's a whole different understanding, almost like a, a master to a slave versus a, a father to a child, as we see in Christianity. Um, you know, as far as contrasting it, um, I, uh, I, I'm not an expert on, on, that per, on that particular aspect, so I don't wanna you know, say anything that uh, you know, I can't really substantiate, but uh, I would recommend listening to that CD that Scott Hahn did because that is an excellent, I believe, um, showing the difference between a Christian view mm-hmm. and, and the, the Muslim view. But, you know, the Muslims have been trying to bring people to submission for, oh, since about the year 600 with Muhammad, and if you see, you know, having gone to Christendom, studied history under Dr. Carroll, and read many of his books, you see the, the growth of Islam from, uh, you know, all through parts of, you know, Africa and into the Middle East and into Europe and, you know, the the war with the people of Spain, uh, how the Christians were able to, you know, win back Spain. That's the only country that it was ever taken over that we've been able to regain because once they've taken over a country, you know, we we lose our our Christian presence there. And we see this in the Holy Land right now of how, the Christian population is shrinking so much in the Holy Land. So they are very aggressive in spreading and what they didn't do through wars in, from the time of Muhammad up till now, now they're beating us because of, they're having more babies. So they are taking over France and other parts of Europe because they are having many more babies than the Christian families are having. So what they, what they didn't get through let's say you know the, the war is now happening through the birth of the number of children that they're having versus Christian families how would you compare the Christian struggle with the peace that you've talked about tonight the Christian struggle with peace well we of course w- life on earth is a warfare it is a battle um, we are the church militant, the church triumphant in heaven, the church sufferings in purgatory. We are the church militant, and so we are here to, uh, to fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And to fight the devil, we do that spiritually through prayer, penance, sacraments, sacramentals. And then the world is not referring to creation, because that is good. God created it good. But... You know, it's talking about the the hedonistic or the secular aspect of the world so we always have to fight against that we have to fight against the culture of death with the culture of life with love and then concupiscence we have to fight against those unruly passions through prayer penance the rosary and things so yes there is a struggle in the faith and we always we are soldiers for christ we know about that because of our confirmation Remember in the old days when you were confirmed, they used to, Bishop used to slap you on the cheek to remind you to be willing to be willing and able to suffer for your faith. Nowadays, we nowadays we just say peace be with you, and do a handshake. But uh, but that whole idea of being able to struggle and suffer for your faith is very important. So in the midst of that, obviously we we're called to be at peace. We're always called, to, I think, to have peace in our heart even during times of persecution, even sitting on Route 66 traffic, <laughs> even sitting on the Beltway. So we are called to be at peace even in the midst of our, 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 our struggles and growing and trying to grow in holiness, fighting you know, the world, the flesh, and the devil, but always having that peace of Christ, which is the, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Uh, one last comment. I did bring this image of Christ on the shroud, uh, because I've studied the shroud so much that the one thing that impresses me most is the expression of peace on the Lord's face. You might not have ever noticed that, but remember, he was scourged at the pillar. He was crowned with thorns. He had nails going through his hands and feet. and you know, the, the crowning with thorns. And yet, the face of the Lord is one of complete acceptance, resignation. The lamb led to the slaughter, one of incredible peace. And to me, that's one of the, the many reasons why I certainly believe in, personally in the authenticity of the Shroud, because when you see people that have been tortured in other ways, you can see all sorts of you know agony and pain, whereas with the Lord, he suffered so much, and yet he was at peace in the midst of that suffering.
0: Pray for us.